Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back. Uh, It is I, Daniel Hardy, also known as the Gold-Blooded King, and I'm live on the air, even though by the time you hear it, it will be in podcast uh, podcast form. And I'm with the good doctor, Dr. Tom, Thomas Bevilacqua. Good, sir. How are you doing today? You know, I'm good. Uh, we're celebrating an anniversary today. I believe this will all sound familiar. It sounded a little something like this. The timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry. Way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! With six tenths of a second remaining. Happy anniversary to Steph Curry making that shot four years ago on this very day. Do you know what today is? It's our anniversary. <laughs> That's when Katie knew he was leaving Russell Westbrook. Anyway, um, yeah, today a um, uh, really cool day for us because we get to celebrate uh, one of the greatest shots in basketball history and especially um, in Warriors history um, where uh, Steph Curry... Uh, in overtime, pulls up from what was it like forty five or some crazy feet. Um, <laughs> That's a little, yeah, like thirty something, something in the 30 high thirties. You know, each year it's going to be longer and longer. He pulled up literally <laughs> from the parking lot, um, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, just just daggered uh, OKC in a game that um, I mean, just just straight daggered OKC in a game that um, was in the middle of the uh, very fiery Warriors Thunder rivalry. Um, had a lot of uh, MVPs in there and future Hall of Famers in there. Um, and, and Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to do it. I was waiting for it. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's pretty cool. And uh, it's funny, um, with the, the legend, Steph, uh, the man who was known for that shot and many others, bang, 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 uh, is coming back uh, after uh, missing the majority of the season with a broken hand. Um, and as he's uh, coming Back to play for the Warriors. Obviously, the Dimension is super excited. Um, it's also giving us a chance to, you know, really reflect on just, just gratitude. You know what I mean? Like not having Steph um, and not having Clay, and then you got to think about not having KD and Iguodala. Um, but as far as guys who are on the team still, uh, not having the Splash Bros handy for the majority of the season has made watching Warriors basketball um, really an exercise in patience and long suffering. And uh, to have him back brings in an injection of joy. Uh, back at the franchise and to the fan base. But it also makes us uh, take a look around the league. Obviously, the Warriors aren't in uh, playoff contention right now unless Steph can work his magic. Um, oh, that's a <laughs> lot of magic. I, I believe Steph, as it, as it says, he can do all things. But even even that would be – that might be a bridge too far. Plus, man, we, we, yeah, we, you know, we got all that. We get to think about the draft. We get to watch March Madness with an expert's eye this year. We got to we gotta get ready for that. So, no, I don't want – I mean, yeah. the fact that with March Madness coming up, it's the first time in many years I'm actually going to care about the draft. Yeah, I can't. Th- I mean, I've in the past made a point about uh, about n- now not watching the draft because I'm <laughs> like, th- this was this is what we had to do. Uh, you know, this was the high point of our seasons with the Warriors in the past. Right. But now it's like, nah, we man, we're going to the playoffs. I don't have to watch that. <laughs> I don't have to lower myself for that to that. 
So now it's like, oh no, yeah, I got I got to mark out that time to watch the lottery, to do a little, to actually watch uh, some white dudes brick layups. I mean, watch college basketball. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool coming up. Um, and at the same time, we're also seeing a lot of uh, the pro teams pivoting for playoff position. Um, and uh, you know, considering Steph's coming back from his injury, we've got a couple other uh, big guys in the East going down with injury. Uh, I'm talking about the Philadelphia 76ers uh, with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is out indefinitely with a back injury. And uh, we're still waiting on the, on the report for uh, Joel Embiid's shoulder strain. But it's just crazy because the night before um, he got injured, he had 49 points. And I was talking about, I'm the best player in the league. And then all of a sudden he goes down with this thing. And um, I was kind of just flashing back to remembering the days when, um, I mean, so first of all, let's just talk about that tandem right there. Two giant phenoms who don't seem to fit together right now the way they're playing with uh, Joel Embiid being a giant who is out there shooting threes because his point guard is also a giant who is inside playing post moves. Um, So I think that um, with Ben Simmons' complete lack of an outside shot right now, it's just, you know, it's just clogging up the lane. So um, ill-fitting. And then considering the fact that both these guys have been uh, mortally wounded since their rookie year um, separately, um, the fact that they're injured again, at this phase of their uh, development process, um, it's making Philadelphia fans uh, quite uh, nervous, quite anxious. And I was thinking about a time in the Warriors history when we had two players um, who were um, ill-fitting and both of them had uh, issues with ankle injuries, one mm. from playing basketball, other from playing mopeds. And, <laughs> uh, just just to think about um, how important it is to nail that decision going forward for a franchise, obviously. Um, how do you compare or draw parallels from what we as Warriors fans learn from that situation to what Philly's going through now. Oh, that's that's an that's a good point or a good sort of comparison to draw. I think that it's true that they're the fit between uh, Simmons and Embiid. It it it, it could at times seem a little odd, a little rough, uh, but I think there would there was always a way in which I mean you would see it every once in a while. You would see like I mean I think you, I can't I'm gonna go back and look if uh, if both of them played on Christmas in that Christmas Day game against uh, Milwaukee. Uh, I'm looking I'm looking box score. There we go. Uh, yes, Simmons and Embiid both played. So you could, they can both play well together. They have, and I mean, and it should be noted. Yeah, they played well against this team that is like the best team in the league, uh, in the box, and they beat them on Christmas Day. Uh, but I think that that whereas with Stefan Monta Monte Montu Monte Monte, um, that uh, uh, it it just there wasn't a way. You, I at least I couldn't envision it working with both of them on the court in the roles that their level of talent uh, commanded. I think there is a way that that could happen and could work with uh, Embiid and Simmons. I I'm just, uh, very interested to hear in this uh, hypothetical because clearly <laughs> Sixers coach Brett Brown hasn't figured it out. Well, I mean that might be the uh, that might be the issue uh, and. <laughs> And I hate to say it because I believe he's he's a, another guy. I think he comes out of the pop tree, uh, which is you know, which means he's like he's just got the endorsement of the greatest mind in basketball. But I do wonder if it comes down to uh, coaching and it comes down to uh, somebody scheming it up better because I think 
you, you know, because you talked about Simmons as this point guard, but he plays down low and he doesn't have an outside shot. And then Embiid is this big man, but he also has this sort of outside range. Uh, you know, and, and I, then I think about this idea of position, kind of positionless basketball, and I think you're maybe seeing it's not quite the same thing with the the Houston fraud kits. I mean, the Rockets, uh, where they've just gone very small. Uh, but I think that uh, a coach who can kind of think not so much as like having players in positions, but having sort of roles on the court that a player kind of takes and so maybe Simmons yes you you have other players who are playing out kind of that outside uh game but you have Simmons as somebody who's maybe playing down low a little bit more than maybe uh you know maybe not Embiid but your other big I don't know so I think Al Horford I mean this also might be the issue like the the I think the Simmons and Embiid aren't the problem I think the roster around them needs sort of tweaking and that oh, yeah because okay. i i still i don't know i'm and maybe i'm just like the last guy on this bandwagon but i think that there is a way in which they should they should be able to work like it's it just it should be it should work there has to be a way to do this but and maybe it comes down to the coaching maybe that is the issue but i think it almost has more to do with every and that maybe that's on uh Elton Brand is the GM and the roster he assembled uh, because uh, it, it just, it doesn't allow for that kind of thing to happen. No, I agree. I think um, with those two heavy anchors there, um, you really need to have, um, you know, um, the perfect team around them because they, they command so much of the, uh, the basketball area that you need to have very, very fluid, flexible pieces to be able to go in between them to kind of, you know, uh, grease the wheel there. Um, I do think it's fascinating that when the two um, players are apart from each other, um, I'm talking about games where one of them is hurt. Like, I remember earlier this season, Ben Simmons uh, put on a show against the Lakers, I think it was like uh, the end of January, where the Sixers uh, gave the business to L.A. And it was yeah. like, wow, you know, without Embiid, Ben Simmons um, – Really, really dominated. Um, and then you have uh, another story. We have Joel Embiid playing without uh, Ben and just crushing the Hawks, dropping 49. Now, of course, the Hawks aren't the best team in the world. Many fans imagination. Um, the best post player is probably Trey Young. Um, but <laughs> I think it's it's a it's it's interesting to watch how um, when they're separate, the teams take on their personalities. Um, when Ben Simmons is playing without Embiid, they're flying up and down the court playing wide open where he's just penetrating and dishing out to, to, to shooters um, when Embiid's in and uh, Simmons is out. Do you play more of an inside outside game where, you know, Embiid gets the ball and goes to work. And it just, it, I saw a stat from Tom Haberstrow, um, a, a Tom Haberstat where he said that uh, a Joel Embiid post-up is officially um, according to the analytics, more efficient than a Trey Young three-pointer. Like finally we have a big man who is showing the computers. Hey, actually a dominant big man is actually pretty good to have. And, um, Joel Embiid being that person and all of a sudden being taken, sorry, being taken out of the lineup, it's like, okay, do you go with the, you know, 6'10", 6'11", um, point guard who is like in that kind of like Maggie Johnson, LeBron mold of giant man who handles the rock like a, like a small person and you have him just run wild, but because he flat out refused to take outside shots and keep the defense honest, okay, so then if you give it to Joel Embiid on the block, how can he operate as a true giant should when Ben Simmons' man is lurking, and like the defense is able to, to choke off these um these certain lanes, and so I agree. Um, 
Um, coaching would have to happen there. But I do think it's very interesting when you have two players like that. Um, the amount of coaching that needs to go in there yeah. lets you know what an unnatural fit it is. So when we're saying, hey, you're so talented, some, figure out a way, make it work because you're so talented. But the fit itself is so alien just by the nature of basketball. I mean, the only other place I can look at this and say um, this would work would have to be the Showtime Lakers. But mm-hmm. not only was Maggie Johnson, Maggie Johnson, they could actually hit a three if he wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. You also had a squad like Byron Scott, um, uh, big game James Worthy. Um, I mean, guys who, when they got the ball, Michael Cooper, who were going to do something with it. The, and, the, the splash father, Michael Thompson. Michael Thompson, you know what I mean? Like, you, you got, got Harris, right? real hoopers. Uh, Jamal Wilkes, I'm, I'm just going to listen. Steel. There's a million of them. Um, yeah. Uh, who's to do with the uh, goggles? Uh, Kurt Rambis? Uh, yeah, Bob McAdoo. <laughs> In case there's any Laker fans up there questioning us on our knowledge, we yeah. have the NBA 2K. We put the classic teams. Hey, um, man, I, I watched that Celtics Lakers documentary. Good documentary. Good yeah. documentary. Um, Larry so, Bird's yeah. sucked. <laughs> That's what I you said. Um, so, um, with that in mind, I'm just saying yeah. this fit, um, compounded by the injuries, gets just less time for them to get familiar with each other. Yeah. Um, I do wonder if the things happen the way they do in the NBA where we see like powerful tandems don't often stay together. You know, the, the, the Splash Bros and Michael and uh, Scotty are more of the exceptions to the rule than the rule nowadays. Um, yeah. When you look at that, are you thinking to yourself, okay, if I had to pick one, I got to go with this guy, even though in retrospect, it may look something like, you know, um, Shaq and Penny or, um, yeah. well, maybe, let me see, maybe Burnett, maybe, um, Maybe KD and Russ for Harden. Ooh, that's that's damn. Uh, so you say like if 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 you pick one or who would you who would you pick to build around in Beater Simmons? Yeah, yeah. Uh sh- shoot. I don't. Uh, uh this, this it's it, it's real. It's funny because it's funny because there there are these issues of fit. But also, it's like they both have the, I mean, you know, and you outline them, they're both kind of, they're, I don't want to say imperfect player, no player is perfect, but I just look and there's something where I'm like, I don't know about that because my instinct, instinct is Embiid. I think you should build around Embiid, but I, I think there are legitimate questions about his longevity. That like to the point where maybe having Simmons and him having a little I don't know bet not better track record but is sort of a better bill of health relatively speaking maybe that is more important to have I don't know so that's that's what makes it such a tough um, not it's, yeah it's not I mean yeah if you ask me KD Russ or Harden I think we all know who any sane person would take uh, but. <laughs> But, uh, you know, with this, it's not in a, in a way that even the, like, you talk about Shaq and Penny. Like, yeah, you take Shaq every time. Like, you just do. Uh, but this one, I don't know. And, you know, like I say, my instinct is Embiid, but there's part of it, there's enough there that gives me pause uh, to not make it, like, not not feel very confident in in that decision or that choice. I could definitely dig that. I, you know, looking at them and thinking about the fit where, you know, there is a chance because they're so young, 
that Ben Simmons does improve in certain shooting areas and it just makes the game more natural. Or, of course, if their coach can really come up with something or there's a better roster fit around them. So there, there are some variables there that it'd be a shame to not try out before um, you make a decision there. So I completely agree with that. There's still plenty of time. And, hell, they could do it this year if they're healthy. So yeah. I'm not saying blow it up. But it just seems like it seems a little uneasy, um, yeah. not mostly perhaps, but more just in the, the basketball fit. Um, well, I mean, but, I think you look at theirs like that you're, t- you're talking about the schedule. They just – you know, in the month of February, uh, beat the Clippers with both Simmons and Embiid M- playing, and the Clippers had Kawhi and Paul George. So Ooh. I think, so I think, like, uh, and, and would you look at that game? I mean, it's this thing again where it's about the other pieces because the key to that game. Uh, I know someone. I'm going to bring up like a. a single game plus minus and i know someone with a spreadsheet is going to tell me why that's such a flawed statistic but josh (laughs) josh richardson was a plus 24 and went three for five from three point range like it's it's about that third thing they just it's about the pieces that complement those two players i think if there's like a version of jimmy butler that wasn't um, I'm trying to think of a charitable word uh, that wasn't so uh, uh, occasionally abrasive. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that like that kind of player is like, that's what they need. That's what they don't have. I mean, they had him, but it just wasn't going to work. But that kind of, that, that they need that guy because that sort of opens up everything else. Cause I mean, I think you've pointed this out in the past Look, they got to a seventh game against the eventual champs, and right. it took a miracle shot to like to get that to for the Raptors to win that game in regulation. So right. it's so if they just, I just, I like I say, I think it kind of comes down to as kind of exciting as it was to think about uh, this like this team of giants, basically the roster composition. Uh, and the way they built it, like that's maybe even more than the coaching. This is where like the the problem is, and they need to do a better job of getting pieces around these two players who really complement them. And that's not that that that's true of all players. Like you know, it took Steph and Clay to play together before both of them kind of reached their you know their the heights of their potential. Uh, so they that. That is almost more the issue to me than either Simmons or Embiid. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And um, considering the idea of the fit and the players around them, I think the Warriors just dodged one of those concerns when they uh, traded uh, D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins because uh, obviously they were thinking the, the Splash Bros plus D'Lo might um, be a bit redundant and weak on defense. And in Philly's case, um, you know that you should have a pretty good defense, hypothetically, if yeah. you have Simmons and Embiid on the court with their size and athleticism. Um, so I guess we can see how um, the, the, the different factors affect how you feel about the fits. Um, and the fit of Andrew Wiggins going forward i can't wait to see how he fits with steph um i think that um hearing steph say that wiggins was one of the people who picked up the offense the fastest if not, if not the fastest um mm-hmm. 
And hearing about that is a good indicator of uh, Steph's confidence in his new teammates' um, ball IQ. And um, if your point guard is that uh, encouraging and that impressed with you that at fast, I think it bodes well. Uh, we know that Steph, above all things, is an artist um, on the basketball court. Um, so if you let um, a master painter like that have a uh, new uh, brush to play with, I think you're looking at a situation where Andrew Wiggins' um, greatest ceiling has an opportunity to uh, be unlocked. And it'll be very interesting to see if, like, let, let, let's say the experiment doesn't work and we say, dang, like, you know, Andrew Wiggins never quite fit in. Well, we've had another small forward who didn't quite fit in. His name is Harrison Barnes. Um, and he didn't quite fit in only because he couldn't knock down open jump shots when we needed the most. He could play defense. He could dunk the ball we need to. And we, we only needed, you know what, 10, 12 points a game, 50 points a game from him a lot of times. If he got 20, it was a miracle. Uh, and we were happy with it. Um, yeah, so just couldn't do that in the finals. Just couldn't do it in the right, finals. It, in the finals, would have helped. Um, but um, overall, the Harrison Barnes experience was, it was, it was cool, you know. It, it was fine. It was definitely like a, a well-made peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know what I mean? Like um, if, you know, you, you come by with some hot pastrami on rye, a.k.a. Kevin Durant, yeah, I'm going to switch it up. But if that rye isn't there, give me the PNBJ. And um, I know we're so excited to get, you know, possibly Giannis in the future. But as far as a, a good, sturdy, small forward who fits the role, has the length to, uh, uh, to, to compete defensively, and um, can pick up the offense, isn't a ball hog, and you give him – um, the greatest point guard of this, this generation and, you know, definitely in the top three of all time as far as point guards go. Um, I'm very fascinated to see um, how Wiggins is going to look. We've seen it with Kai Bowman and Jordan Poole. Um, how does it look with Steph? Yeah, I mean, uh, that that's the key. And I mean, if we're thinking about what is exciting about uh, Steph coming back, besides having him on the court and that, you know, it makes the game more more entertaining i think it is to see how wiggins uh plays and how he responds to playing with steph because if you look i'm uh, uh, at wiggins's uh, numbers uh since he's been with the warriors and admittedly it's a small sample size it is a very small sample size but some of his the more you know i'm looking at some of the more advanced numbers especially like the off the plus minus uh at the offensive uh, uh, box plus minus and defensive and that he's doing he's like it's it's better Larry he's he's stepped up uh with this team so he is not you know so he has something to offer and you look at who he's played with in, in the past and uh I you know I'm not a big Carl Anthony Towns fan I just I don't think he's that like that that great but I think in terms of players who make other players look better and play better and help them enhance their game. You could see how playing with Steph will uh, be, that would be the case with him, that he would uh, allow him to sort of level up. Uh, And that's kind of, yeah, like you think about that, you know, whether it's because Steph is going to command so much more attention, uh, it's going to pull people out to three point range. So uh, Wiggins can attack the basket more. Uh, You know, it's uh, like I said, I'm, that's the thing I'm curious about to get this peak of like, okay, can this guy, you know, he's not going to be in the, you know, the, the, the KD role, but, but it, it, can he be Harrison Barnes? Can he be that like solid, steady, the uh, wing kind of second or third option? Uh, and but who fits into the system 
uh, because if he can, because they will, they just didn't have that when you had Russell on the uh, on the roster. Because like he is just not that player. Even if you you know, I then I think maybe they saw that it, he just wasn't going to work with Steph, him, and Clay, and just that was not those lineups would not work. Uh, right. But but yeah, you you want to see if this kind of improved play, albeit in a small, 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 small sample size, if it goes up another level with Steph. And that would be something that, you know, you don't want to read too much into it. But if you if we see that, that's going to be a really good sign because then, you know, remember, hey, they're also bringing Clay back next year and they're going to have whoever they get with a draft pick. Uh, and they're obviously the, the financial situation and kind of getting back to something he was talking about with – um, the Sixers, the that they they'll worry about this financial flexibility, and that will enable them to kind of do a better of like constructing an kind of an actual team. Whereas the, I think this past off season, it was just kind of what can they do to fill things out. There wasn't any sense of cohesion. It was just all kind of like you see this in the getting when they got D'Angelo, just like oh well, we can get an asset for him, and this is the smart thing to do. Uh, and it, and it absolutely was. But now I think they can go into an offseason trying to really build a cohesive lineup and team rather than just sort of fill, just like filling in and just trying to get as much as they can. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And I hope that they are successful because I cannot do one more year of this kind of basketball. I'm sorry, I'm bougie now after suffering through all the dark days when I was younger. Um, I need at least the playoffs, man. And, and when I say the playoffs, I mean at least uh, the Western Conference Finals. I mean, what are we, the Rockets? We can't just settle for anything. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> hey, man, I, Chris, Chris Paul played his whole career to get to one Western Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, more power to him. Um, it's just great that we have a guy who go in the history books to win the greatest point guards of all time and to see um steph curry get the better of him in multiple playoff series it can only do wonders for uh steph's legacy Wait, so uh, you, you talked about the best point guards of all time i, I assumed you were talking about steph because you couldn't er, be possibly referring to chris paul see you can't see see, see you're, you're messing up steph's legacy because if we keep telling people how trash these guys are who we destroy uh, yeah, you're going yeah, to think yeah. steph's trash you know what i mean all right, all right, all right, you know yeah, what i mean all right we got a problem up. It's like a straw man, uh, which is probably <laughs> a straw man with straw hamstrings. <laughs> you know, 30 years from now, we're like, Chris Paul was the toughest defender in the history of basketball. So when my, my, my kids look at it, like, wow, it's amazing how Steph destroyed him. I'm like, yeah, it is amazing. Weird, huh? <laughs> Anyways, um, thank you, uh, folks, for listening to Dr. Tom and myself. Um we're going to be cranking these out um, with Steph's return because, uh, hey, we have more to talk about. Um, so, yeah, uh, we look forward to um, doing some more for you. Um, Dr. Tom, do you have anything uh, for Dub Nation as we take off? Uh, no, like, I, I'm with you. I'm excited to see Steph back on the court. I'm excited to see the uh, tandem of him and Wiggins. I've, you know, I've, I've been enjoying the Andrew Wiggins experience so far. I think he's he's a good piece, whether it's about the long term or not. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, you, you take Steph for granted and uh, it's going to be good to at least have him out there doing Steph things and we can find a little little taste of joy at the end of a season that's been uh, challenging, uh, to say the least. That's right. And uh, since it is, you know, joyful times because it's the anniversary of Steph in that shot, can you send us out with uh, one more bang from Mike Breen? All right. Yes, I certainly can. The timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry. Way downtown. Bang! 
second remaining. Bang. All right. Have a great day, folks.